Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Today, we are going to do our way, 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 way too early NBA draft 2023 preview edition, basically just covering kind of the projected lottery and some change. I'm not trying to be a downer and just say that I think the Wizards are destined for another lottery pick. Actually, I don't think that's the case unless there's some big injury that we kind of can't predict, but just being thorough because both ESPN and Vegas project the Wizards around 34 wins and especially Vegas, they're usually pretty darn good at this stuff. So maybe they know something we don't. They could just be hedging a bit because of some of the injury prone guys. I'm not sure what the formula or the math is there, but one, I like the draft based on the amount of listens we get on draft episodes. You all seem to like the draft. So I thought it'd be good summer content. At the very least, just to introduce you all to some of the names it's worth paying attention to throughout the year. And honestly, some of these guys could end up dropping into the 20s or wherever the Wizards draft, or they could always trade up. I know somebody is immediately going to respond to this without listening and say, but the Wizards don't have a 2023 NBA draft pick. It's actually not the case. Um, they don't have a 2023 draft pick this year. It would be owed to the Knicks unless they end up in the lottery. It is top 14 protected. So if Vegas is right and ESPN is right and they only win 34 games, they would keep that lottery pick and be able to you know, take one of these guys we're going to talk about here today. So it's still worth talking about. And the way the Wizards have operated, they seem to go after guys years after uh, you know, they've, they've been interested in them anyway. So it doesn't mean that if they didn't have a draft pick this year, they couldn't go back and get one of these guys or acquire them from another team down the road. So still kind of worth being informed and in the know about these things. Uh, I've done like a very small amount of looking into some of these bigger names, but it is a limited sample size on my end. So this will be mostly based on first impressions. So I've got Bryce Hendricks of the Upside Swings podcast. Bryce has been on here a bunch of times. Those guys do like super deep dives into the top like 200 prospects every year. So Bryce is especially knowledgeable about these guys and earlier in the process than most people. And he'll be able to give us at least just kind of like the high level overview of what these guys are, what to expect. Are they worth keeping an eye on? Well, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the hope from today's episode. Uh, I've mentioned the last couple episodes, our merch giveaway. If you're interested in a free Believe in Wizards t-shirt, you could enter yourself in our drawing we're going to do here. So what, what you want to do is write a review for us on Apple iTunes, take a screenshot of that, post it anywhere on social media and tag Believe in Wizards or myself and... You know, just uh, it's a way for us to share that people are liking and listening to the show, and that'll get your name entered in. If you've previously written a review, you could just retweet or repost a picture of that old review, and that'll get you in just as well. And yeah, uh, we'll do the drawing here in another week or two. It's kind of the dog days of summer, so I want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to listen and catch up and, you know, make sure they know that we're doing that before we give out a couple of these things. Uh, for anybody who got their merch, I hope you like it so far. Always, uh, you know, welcome to take a picture of yourself wearing it. We'll retweet it, all that good stuff too. 
Again, just appreciate the support for the show. Like I said, this is not going into my pockets. This is just an opportunity for us to like have some stuff to say, hey, we, we like the show and we've got a little community here. And that's just like a really cool thing to be a part of. Um, so hope you guys are liking those. As always, we are presented by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use a mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, let's get to my conversation with Bryce about the 2023 NBA draft sort of lottery range. Maybe we'll go to about 20 tops. And uh, yeah, just just uh, stay tuned and and get you know familiar with some of the names that are, are worth paying attention to throughout the college basketball or international basketball or G League Ignite season and beyond. All right, I'm pleased to be joined by another multi-time guest. Uh, we've had a couple of these in a row. Bryce Hendricks of the Upside Swings podcast. Bryce, thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, one of my favorite pods to guest on, so very excited to get into it. Well, you're one of our favorite guests to have. Uh, I think there's always a wealth of knowledge that comes out of these for people, myself especially. So if nobody else gets anything out of this, at the very least, I will. Uh, I mentioned in the intro here, we're going to go through tankathons, lottery, uh, and some change and some other names on there You know that, that we want to talk about. But I'll just kind of start with the, I don't know if consensus is too strong a word yet, but probably by most accounts, the projected number one overall pick. Victor Wembanyama, uh, he's listed at seven foot two on a separate podcast I've done. I talked to former Maryland Terrapin forward, uh, James Gist, and Gist was his teammate this year and said, dude, he's closer to seven foot five, like trust me. Uh, so I, I don't know why the the numbers on, on the official measurements here haven't caught up yet maybe, but this guy is seven foot five, probably an eight foot wingspan just about. Uh, he shoots, he dribbles, he passes, he blocks shots. You know, it's Rudy Gobert with uh, Brandon Ingram's offensive skill set or something like that. Uh, Bryce, is this guy as good as I think everybody seems to think he'll be? You know, it's really hard to to, to discuss Webanyama critically because he has already become this like th- this this bellwether for a lot of hate or a lot of uh, a lot of love and and and. Um, you know, he blew up at during FIBA U19 stuff where, I mean, he, he played against Chet and, and, um, and, uh, Kenny Lofton Jr. And, and looked awesome in those, in those matchups. And, and, and he's uh, like two years younger than, yeah, than yeah, Chet yes. Too. And, and yeah, that's probably I should have He's like way younger than those guys and was still playing at that level. And then frankly dominating them. And Chet, yeah. I, you know, was a very worthy top three pick. I would say he is that good. Um, though it, it might be, I think it might look different than than maybe we're expecting. I think sometimes we get a little outlandish with um, what a player might do offensively when sometimes it's just a little more simple than that. Sure. Um, you know, I, I think he can handle the ball and it looks good in isolation. It's not like he's going to run us on a pick and roll, though. I mean, like, that's just not what seven, five players can physically do. Sure. The handle's just too high. Um, but I, he can create space. He can kind of get downhill off the dribble. I, I wouldn't say that's a strength of his game. It's like Chet is someone who was, as a handler, had some weaknesses, but was actually really good at getting downhill for mm-hmm. a seven-footer. That's pretty rare. I don't think that's Wembenyama. He's much more of like a space creator, someone who will create step backs or 
um, you know, hit one, two hard moves, draw a defender, make a pass. He's a very good passer. Like, I think that's my favorite part of his offensive game. I think you can use it as a high post hub. Short rolls are going to look awesome. Uh, but I think what really stands out is just um, the fluidity with which he plays on both ends. Um, he is like the foremost space eater I've maybe ever seen play basketball. Uh, like it just, he, he covers ground like no one I've ever seen before. It's like if Devin Vassell was seven, five um, and it's, it's, it's incredibly, it's mesmerizing to watch. You're just watching this seven, five guy, you know, take half a step out to the, to the, on a closeout and then at quickly shift his weight as someone tries to attack and just swallow a driver. Um, when he's playing in pick and roll coverage, he kind of combines some of that Chet Mobley-esque technicality with just really good footwork and, and a good understanding of just where the space is that he needs to occupy. He's just excellent at that. Like he is very good at being seven, five. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not like, you know, like Zach Eady is good at being seven, four because he just can put someone in the post and, sure. and, but it's not like he stands out a ton defensively other than just being that big. Like Wemby does really pop as just someone who knows where to be and just how effective his length is all over the floor. It's super impressive. The one kind of big question with him is injury stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a bit, a minute where I was like, okay, I don't think that's, I think that's just, there's always this little bit of he's tall or skinny guys get this all the time. Chet and Mobley both had, fairly unfounded injury concerns coming into their draft year. But the more I've, I've heard and talked to people who know more than me, uh, there are some legitimate concerns there. And in a draft, this, is it his feet, his knees, his it back? seems like it seems knees and ankles. Okay. Um, which, you know, feet is usually what you think of for big guys, sure. but it, it, you know, I we'll see, like I just, um, and, and it's also, it's been like little things. Like he had like a wrist injury and, and sometimes guys can just be frail. I mean, sure. as someone who's broken both ankles and a hand, like completely unrelated to each other, like I know exactly it, it just what happens. it's yeah. like to just, yeah, you're just kind of frail sometimes. But if he's healthy, he really is that Luca, LeBron, Anthony Davis tier guy. Like in just a, especially I think, I think LeBron is a really salient comp where it's just like, oh, we've just never seen a person like this before. I mean, LeBron is one of the greatest athletes in the history of the human race at six, eight, and was also a super technical passer and, and processor. That was just something we hadn't seen in 2003. And to an extent, we still haven't seen Luca's like the closest thing. And Luca doesn't dunk like LeBron, you know, like, so it's just a seven, five guy who is so good at, at all these disparate elements. And I mean, really looks like if he's healthy, he's a defensive player of the year candidate every year. He's someone who can, you know, at least be the second guy in an offense with his decision-making and shooting. He takes nothing off the floor because he can honestly probably competently play the four and the five on both ends. It's just, if he's healthy, he really is that type of special, never seen this type before guy. And that that definitely has, I mean, a lot of value at the top. But if there's risk there, again, as we'll talk about with some other guys, there, there are going to be some questions going forward as to whether or not he actually goes one just sort of the nature of this when a guy's been on the radar for this long they never kind of stay there without some holes being poked in them when you've seen that much of them for, for so long so i'm sure we're over the next year we'll find some things to to maybe nitpick about but at the end of the day like i'm glad you mentioned mobley because that is kind of like who he moves like defensively like i said 
Rudy Gobert at the outset, but like I don't see Wembenyama being like played off the floor because he's too slow or has to be a drop coverage big. You know, it's one of those kinds of things. Like he he is a fluid mover to your point, and maybe Porzingis is like a better offensive comp. You know, like can dribble a little, can pass it a little, can shoot over people a little. Um, but but maybe a more versatile version of that. Yeah, leagues better as a passer, and that's something. Also, you mentioned how long he's been on the radar. Something that really pops for me about Wemby that that maybe doesn't with some of the other guys we'll talk about is that he's been on the radar, but he's continued to improve. Yeah. There's lots of guys who come on the radar, they look really good at 15, and then they're just that guy, mm-hmm. you know. And if Wemby, if that was Wemby, you Great. know, he's still, he's still an good. NBA player, <laughs> yeah. But the fact that he's continued to improve to add more to his game. I think that that really shows me that there is a lot of upside there. And it's not just we're drafting this basically finished product who we're going to put some weight on and is going to learn an NBA scheme. It's like, no, he has every year he's sort of either got better at an aspect of his game that's already been there or added a new aspect. Like like with the with the space creation I mentioned, like that's sort of I don't, I don't want to say brand new, but I mean isolations from the top of the key is not something he was doing a ton earlier in his career that he just really started to get pretty good at recently. So just there's a lot of that stuff there that I I like to see guys who improve, even if they've been on the radar. So there's a lot to like with Wemby. Like I said, I I think he's really special if he's healthy and, and I can't speak a ton to the specifics of his injury history, but I will say, like I said, I, I have heard that there are some real concerns and, that will have to be checked out and kind of parsed through when the draft comes. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, everybody talks about like this being a really good draft and there are a lot of guys that in the little bit I've watched, I really like so far, but I, I still think it's unless somebody points out something like really red flaggy on the injury front, it, it would shock me if he's not, you know, the ultimate number one pick um, on, on draft night. The only guy that I think maybe challenges him for that legitimately Scoot Henderson of the G League Night team got to see him play once in person last year, you know, as a 17 year old, he's like six, three ish, probably, um, really good athlete, compact, looks like a grown man build wise already. And he was not particularly good in the game. I saw him in, but he played against like other athletic grown men and and didn't remotely look out of place despite being four or five years younger than the guys that he was guarding or regarding him. So what else can you tell us about Scoot Henderson? Yeah, I mean, Scoot is sort of this. Uh, I would say it's almost a a, a reminting of a of an older idea, which is like the struggles to shoot, but is just an ultra athletic slashing guard. That was mm-hmm. something we saw a lot, you know, maybe early late '90s that time. But it kind of died for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't really. You had your occasional John Walls or or Westbrook, obviously, but the majority of the league was kind of was was more set up point guards. Um, but, you know, with Jaw, obviously, as the high end, but even guys on the lower end, like Markel Fultz, kind of fill this, where it's like they can't shoot, but they're so good at running an offense that it barely matters. Um, Scoot's athleticism is obviously the first thing that pops. Like, he just uh, off one foot, off two foot, uh, downhill explosion, mixed with the strength. I mean, he's his athleticism, I think, is most comparable to Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I've and- heard some, like, Derrick Rose stuff as, as a comp, like, uh, you know, that kind of. Yeah, Derrick Rose was a bit more wiry from my memory. I'm not like a huge basketball historian with with, with stuff, but but he was kind of more wiry and and his his bounce was a bit more. I mean, it was a lot stronger off two from everything I've seen, like in his prime. Yeah. Versus, I honestly think like Scoot's bounce looks best off one. I mean, mm-hmm. he had this one crazy dunk. It was like his third game 
playing with the G League Ignite because he didn't start he didn't start the season playing. I think he was injured. Um, and he took off on in transition off one foot from um, I don't know, say like like half step or a step past the free throw line. And he threw it down while he was still going up. Like he like, I mean, covered ground in a way you just don't see from a six two guard. Um, and then like I, I mean, he's also just built like he's he's really strong. Um, and, and it's, it's not just, he's strong for his age group. Like, as you mentioned, he played against grown men and looked like he was still the strongest guy out there, uh, pound for pound. So, uh, there's just a lot to like there. I think his passing is really good. He's a good ball handler. Like he is a real like point guard prospect. He's not this six, two Uber athlete who is still trying to find a way to, you, you know, what, what's his role other than just being super athletic? Like, no, he's a really good passer. I like how he reads the game. His pick and roll plays really good. Even though guys do go under on him. Um, he's actually a really efficient mid range shooter, like, okay. like really, so really the, good. There's some hope shooter. there. He can back it out a little bit. Yeah. I think he shot like 48 and a half percent on two 17 feet or, or more. That's a Mike Gribb stat. Mm. Uh, I, I could be like, like give or take a point or two sure. one way or the other, but something like that, like really, really efficient pull up two shooter. And you could see that. I think a lot of the issue with the three is, um, he's never had to catch and shoot and he's just not good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of issues with the shot prep there. And honestly, I it, like that doesn't really matter to me if he's a, if he's a real, real point guard prospect. I mean, even John Moran, who's gotten better as a shooter, is still not a good spot up shooter, but it doesn't matter because you're not going to leave him wide open because if you do, he's going to just attack downhill with all the space in the world. Right. It's kind of like Zion, right? It's like a different kind of spacing, but it's still a valuable type of spacing. And I just think, you know, uh, Scoot is so athletically gifted and he has enough other things in his game to make him valuable that it's just a real, he's just a really easy bet. I think why some people are higher on him than Wembenyama is because it's just, it's easier to see Scoot as like an MVP caliber player, right? Like mm-hmm. we've seen that type of player before. You it's can impact Jaw, a game directly when you have the ball that much. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Jaw, it's Westbrook, it's, it is Derek Rose. Like that type of guard we've seen be an MVP, be the best player on a team that right. looks like they can win a championship. Like we've seen that before. Wemby, we really haven't, right? That's mm. kind of kind of the allure with Wemby is it's this guy who who we'd never seen before. But you have to be a bit more creative. He's the unicorn's unicorn, but that means you know he's super rare. Yeah. So how do you project? Yeah, you know, to where I could, it's easier to see Scoot. Like, okay, if we put this, 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 and this around him, we know that's a successful formula. You know, if we give him three shooters and a good role man. We know that's that's going to be a good offense. Versus with Wembenyama, it's a bit more okay. So, like, what do we what do we even need around him to really succeed? And that's kind of the difference. And I think honestly, this draft really could come down to who actually gets the number one pick and and, and where we feel like their organizational leanings are. Sure. But um, you know, that's kind of a tale for for much later down the line. But overall, with Spoon, it's just I mean, he's just really good. And there's only so much I have to add to that, right? It's like if you go turn on a G League night game this year you will see him probably unequivocally be the best player on the floor despite playing with good players, playing against good players. It's just, he's, he's that good. And, and uh, he's a very worthy top three pick. I do have some slight worries about just kind of the lack of development curve. I do feel like he's kind of been this guy for a minute. Mm-hmm. I haven't delved super deep. Like there might be some more micro skills he's added that I haven't really seen yet, but overall it's, it's still, I mean, it, it's such an intriguing package. It's hard to bet against 
And I think we'll see maybe more of that this year too. Like last year, he was clearly down the pecking order, despite maybe being the best long-term prospect that they, he wasn't going to be able to get drafted uh, because of his age. So I think at times it did seem like he took a backseat and you mentioned the passing being pretty good, but they still let Daniels kind of run the offense a good amount or Hardy would run some stuff. Like they seem to um, be okay with letting him kind of take his time. And then you would see these like, two or three game stretches where he'd go for like 30 or 27 and be like, holy shit, like this is, this is elite caliber stuff here. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that now that he's got the keys a little bit more, we start to see a couple other elements that, that maybe we couldn't see last year. Uh, all right. Number three on this list. This is just like my personal favorite thus far. I'm not saying that this is the guy I would take number one or anything. It just, the guy I think I'm going to like watching the most, and that's Nick Smith Jr. Uh, he's going to be at Arkansas this year, 6'5", sort of combo guard. Uh, in the, again, admittedly small amount of games that I watch, I'm kind of obsessed for some reason that I can't truly quantify. But uh, for Wizards fans, he is a Bradley Beal elite alumni, so there's something that it gives me like John Morant or not John Morant. Uh, it gives me like Shea Gilgis Alexander vibes a little bit. He can play on, off ball, kind of rangy. He'll make some spe- special passes, but he's also going to score. Like, I'm I'm just like a fan of what he is, and I think he would give you a lot of versatility, especially on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, I think the word absolutely to describe Smith is just smooth. Yeah. Like, you just watch him, and it just looks like he always has control over the game. Um, and, and, I mean, there is no better, like, hand-in-glove fit than Nick Smith Jr. and Eric Musselman at Arkansas. Like, like they will do magical things for each other. I think so, too. Um, Arkansas has not had a guard like him in a long time, uh, you know, and, and I think he'll make, like, like he he will make watching JT Note last year even more painful because we'll see what a good guard in that system can really look like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Nick Smith. Um, he's a just kind of a consummate, you mentioned SGA, like, I think that's actually just, like, a really good comp in general because it's, like, combo guard who makes better passes than combo guards usually do. Yeah. Like, like they're both wired to score first. Sure. They're both super smooth. Their pace is what really pops. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, like, like Nick Smith, his, his handle is just so tight. It's so, I mean, untouchable, basically. Uh, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he can. I mean, he does have a solid first step. He can get up off two. Uh, and I just I, I just feel like he's a really good bet at, at a point guard. You know, last year's class was so um, devoid of real point guard talent. Yeah. You know, in this year's, you have Scoop, Nick Smith. There's a couple other guys we're going to talk about down this list who are also sort of interesting. Um, you know, and, and then you also add on top of the fact that Smith is 6'5". He's he's got like plus size. I think he can defend the point guard spot. I don't think he's an elite defender, but he he's like he plays aggressive. He's he's got that dog in him a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, uh, to use an overused phrase. Um, he he really does. He fights over screens. He's skinny. Like that's always going to be a hindrance. Sure. But I just like like point guard who can run a lot of pick and roll and make it an efficient offense. That's always a good bet to me. And and for Wizards fans, I mean, I, I like he's like the perfect like if you guys could get your hands on him somehow, like With Beal, would it just be, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah, no, it'd be perfect. But yeah, I, I really like Nick Smith. I haven't, you know, I haven't done like a big board yet. I don't really do that like deep dives. I haven't figured out where I want to rank him because there's a lot of other guys I like in this sure. class, as we'll discuss. But uh, yeah, just really solid point guard prospect who does just just about everything you want right. 
I'm interested to see, like, the one thing I'm really interested to see is, like, what does the catch and shoot look like? I agree. He's a really good pull-up shooter. But I think Arkansas is going to let Ant Black play with the ball in his hands a lot. What does Nick Smith Jr. look like off the ball? Does he, is he a real good mover? Does he, you know, shoot well? Does he cut? Like, I I just, that's, like, the one thing I want to see. But even if he, like, even if he has a down year somehow at Arkansas, like he's still the tape is there that he's still like a top 20 guy because he's just the handle is so good the touch is so good the passing is good enough it's just he's just a really safe bet to be a plus guard in the nba i've been trying to watch a little bit of their overseas tour thus far and uh i watched a game where it looked like they were playing like a men's league team you know like two of the guys were like significantly older and overweight but pretty good still somehow and it was just very interesting, like the dynamic on the court when he was on the court and when he was off the court and the game just like immediately changed to his pace. Like he set the pace for the entire, you know, other um, nine guys on the court, just the minute he stepped on it. And, and we'll talk about black here in a minute, his backcourt mate. Uh, but or maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll see if we, we have him in our, in our range here, but he's another really interesting guy. and it just seemed like things ran a lot smoother for them uh, with Smith out on the court as well too. So they're like going to be like my secret guilty pleasure watch of the year, because I don't know if they're going to be as good as maybe they're being projected to be, but there's a lot of just like really interesting guys on that team to me, probably two down the list to talk about really like Jordan Walsh on their team. Um, Trayvon Brazil, I think is really interesting. Like they might have four first round picks in this year's draft potentially. And I think that's, it's not something we've historically said about Arkansas. They could have, they could legitimately have four guys in my lottery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and without it being like, like I'm, you know, it's not like I'm a Homer Arkansas fan or anything, <laughs> right? Like it's just like their, what they did this offseason was, was so impressive from the three. I mean, they got three. I think Walsh was in the McDonald's all American game. If not, he probably should have been. They got three guys who I, I have in my, if I were to do a list, a preseason top 20. And then Brazil, I, I really, really like. Like I think he is. Uh, a, a potential like like breakout player this year lottery pick he does a lot of things i really like from my big prospects we won't get into him i don't think today but there's a lot to like there and arkansas in general is just so fun so yeah i'm with you definitely gonna watch probably every single game they played this yeah. year I, I just real quick on brazil because he isn't per, sort of projected in this range we're talking about but to me in what i've seen thus far i think he could be what people want jeremy sohan to be like he's a better athlete. He could play, he could guard two through five potentially in the right matchups. Like I'm just, I was kind of blown away. Like he started Way at Missouri. Too. Yeah, agreed. Shooter. Agreed. And just looks more fluid to me offensively. Um, but he could like take over a game defensively. And again, in this European tour, there were like multiple times he swatted somebody off the backboard and then was like the first guy down the court in transition still like, uh, I, I think they're going to just be like a nightmare for people in, in transition too. So he's, he's a fun one to watch. Um, let's talk Anthony black here for a second. He isn't on this mock draft, uh, top 14 lottery ish range according to tankathon, but it would not shock me if he ends up in that range when all things are, are said and done here, he's kind of a six, seven point forward, you know, like the Scotty Barnes kind of mold guy, like a bigger guy that could still initiate offense. Um, what, what else is there to talk about with this game? 
Um, well, I definitely think the passing is what really stands out. I he is my bet for kind of best passer in this class. Wow. Like I, I think he is. You know, for me, it's it's either him or Amen Thompson right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pick and roll reads are just so. Like he's already to a point where he's reading like the second, third level of the defense, uh, understanding, you know, manipulating the tagger or, um, you know, seeing the X out and, and, and passing past it. Like just things like that. Like he's already such a high level passer, uh, high level passer, excuse me. He played at Duncanville, which is a Texas school. Uh, we're going to see a lot of Texas kids uh, like this, this year's class. Black, Keontae George. A lo- a, there's a lot of guys, I think. Uh, uh, Rafael Barlow tweeted tweeted that like there's like ten guys who we could see drafted from the Dallas Fort Worth area, that's and that's cool. like I mean it was insane high school competition this year. Duncanville was awesome to watch. It was mostly because of Black. He's just uh, I think the handle is better than we kind of see from from some of these other point forward types. Like like you know Dyson Daniels had a, just a bad handle in my opinion. I, I I thought Giddy's handle was iffy. You know I think Black has a much just smoother handle. Um, you know, he, he can still get walled off. He can struggle with doubles. It's a little loose, but, uh, he has some real moves in his bag. He, he, his pace is really good. And then another thing he really has is I think he's like a, like an above average athlete at the week. Um, you know, uh, two foot weeping mostly, but the burst is solid. And then his lateral movement is really good. Like, I think he's a very strong defensive prospect as well from the reading of the game to, uh, just how he plays on ball. I haven't seen a ton of like him getting around screens or anything, but Black is one of my favorite players in this whole class because I'm just going to bet on guys who are plus readers, uh, who already have the, the tools to make high-level passes, and who are good enough athletes to survive consistently on both ends. So Black is someone I'm a huge fan of. I I, I like him a little more than than Nick Smith uh, currently, um, and, and I just I, Black I I think is is going to pop for some people, and I think some people. You know, there's a pattern of guys who are just lower on certain players because the shooting struggles, um, mm. especially at the wing guard spots, uh, which I get. I, I feel like specifically for players they project as wings, we want to see certain shooting indicators. Black, I don't think is a particularly good shooter. I think the form needs some work, but the touch is all right. Like I, It think didn't look like super it. broken in what I saw so far. It's not like too wonky right um yeah it's not it's not horrible uh it's kind of hitchy sometimes yeah. and i think my biggest issue is that it's inconsistent Consistent, yeah that's, yeah like exactly. it just it doesn't look like the ball's coming off his hand the same way two shots in a row type thing but i think it may if he could just develop into like an okay catch, not even like a closeout like you, like but if he could just shoot like 34 percent like he's an NBA starter in my opinion like he's that good at everything else um and he's also like a sneaky upside guy because uh, you know, six, seven wings who can run an offense fairly rare. And and I think, I think he, he's also my sneaky pick for like, there's always one freshman who, who is like in the national player of the year uh, running, um, you know, every year there is, but this year, you know, we're talking like the top of the draft guys, lots of them aren't in college. Uh, I think black could be that one to really break through. And cause I could see him being the point guard. For, for Arkansas with everything running yeah. through him. And if Arkansas is one of the best teams and he's averaging like 14, you know, six and four or something like that while playing good defense, like he's, I think he's a potential top five pick, a really sneaky uh, upside bet there. So there's just a lot. I'm, I'm a huge fan of black. Uh, there's a lot that I like there. From what I've seen so far, I'm actually shocked to not see him in this tankathon lottery just because I think he's at 12. 
Oh, is he? Oh, see, my my page is cut off. That's why. Um, all right, never mind. I screen I screenshotted it so I can have it. For, I can have it. Okay, no, good. That makes me feel better because I was like, what am I missing about a six foot seven guy that runs offense? Because you mentioned they're rare, and that's become like a very trendy guy to to rate highly in the lottery the last couple of years. You've got Barnes, you've got Giddy, you've got Daniels, like teams. Even Kate to an extent. Kate, exactly right. Teams want that big offensive initiator that that sort of guy that could play one through three if he needed to maybe even guard some fours and i think if anybody here is like a sort of part-time college basketball fan and you look at these preseason rankings and you're like arkansas top five what the heck this is why you've got nick smith jr is a six foot five potential point guard shooting guard you've got anthony black who's a six foot seven potential one through three you've got jordan walsh is a six foot seven small forward you've got trayvon brazil who's a six foot eight freakish four three kind of guy i think the only people i don't like on the arkansas roster are the mitchell twins and that's only just because they were kind of dicks at maryland but other than that um i, I think they're going to be the most fun team to watch all right we're, we'll speed these up a little bit here folks these are some of the bigger names uh but those are guys i think we're worth nerding out over a little bit uh four on their list is Derek whitehead out of duke he's a six foot six and powerful guard uh bryce this might be a little bit before your time here not, not to date you but um for anybody that remembers like high school Lance Stevenson, this is kind of what it reminds me of. Like powerfully built, he'll just like kind of bulldoze through somebody and get to the rim. And you just see people like seem like they want to part the seas and get out of his way. Cause like with a head of steam, uh, he's a tough guy to to try to contain. And I was watching a game um where he played, I want to say against Keontae George, and it it was just like both of these dudes kind of going at each other and, and Whitehead looked really really good. Um, I, I don't know enough about what he does to see how it'll really translate, but if you're six foot six and a real good athlete, um, that's a pretty good place to start. I'd say. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing that really sells me on, on whitehead uh, more than, than I was kind of early in this high school career is that he's really developed into a pretty good shooter. Mm. Um, that's something that over time he's really built on. Uh, he's, I think the tough thing for me is kind of, defining what he is positionally because to me he plays like a four and sometimes even like like a switchy five type yeah. which we won't we won't see that at duke obviously that's not a thing that's going to happen at duke with with uh lively there but um he's also like only six five uh so it's i'm kind of questioning and, and what i'm getting out that is i think the best aspect of his game are the rim rotations mm-hmm. like i think he's a very good help side rim protector i think and he gets up off too he, like you said he's strong but I wouldn't call him like an elite athlete. Like, I, I don't think the burst is incredible. It's, it's like the downhill driving to me, though, like because yeah. he, he's strong enough and athletic enough that it's just like, do I really want to get in front of that guy? Yeah, it's kind of like like, I mean, some of like the driving stuff reminds me of like high school Kaminga almost mm-hmm. better than Kaminga because Kaminga had zero body control. And that was his big issue as a, as a high school prospect, but kind of in that same mold of where it's just like, it's just a big, strong dude who's athletic enough. I think Kaminga is a, a solid step ahead as a, as a leaper. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I do worry with the that this is a draft, like absolutely chock full of primary bets. I mean, we just talked about three of them. We're probably gonna talk about Amen Thompson and Derek is not a primary bet. Like he's, I, I don't think he's a very good ball handler. The passing is good for what it is, but it's mostly connective stuff. I mean, it's the he stuff makes you, some good like you know, drop offs on a drive and stuff like yeah, that. He, but you know, he's not like special passer. He makes all the Montverde reads, right? Yeah, like, exactly. like, like, 
like, you know, Kate and Scotty could obviously do all the extra stuff, but he makes all the passes that Caleb Houston could make sure. or Dayron Sharp could make. Like, that's just what Montverde does. Like, if you go there, you will know how to make basic connective reads, understand where a defense rotates. And that's another thing. Like, they're really good at teaching defensive rotations. That was Caleb Houston's big strength as a defender as well. Dariq is excellent at those. Like, he's just a very safe wing prospect because I think he can shoot. I think he can play solid on-ball defense against wings. I think he can make good defensive rotations. I think he's going to make the right read on offense. I'm just not sure exactly what his upside looks like, but... He's someone with a four-year track record who's continually developed and who's going to Duke under Shire. I'm interested to see how that looks. I He's just like, I think he's a safe, safe bet. And, and that has its worth at a certain point in the draft. I, he's also a guy that I feel like would probably that, like benefit greatly from two years in a college system of, of just like some of these guys, I think you could probably let them play an NBA game tomorrow. Uh, he, he's somebody to your point about like, I mentioned the athleticism, but but that's compared to other like high school guys and the combination of athleticism and just like physical strength um, was overwhelming for people. But what does he look like when, you know, the people guarding him look like him and play like him? Uh, I'm curious how that translates. And um, some of the self-creation stuff might be uh, better helped by, by two years in a college system. I, I can't imagine a projected top five pick ends up playing two years, but some of these guys I think maybe are a little more uh, NBA ready than he is. So, uh, that's an interesting one. First of the several Duke names we're going to talk about here. I think, uh, the next one is Cam Whitmore. He is a six foot seven sort of wing forward guy, I guess, going to Villanova. It's always sort of an interesting thing to talk about Villanova with potential lottery picks. You haven't seen a ton of those where guys came in with, with that sort of buzz to me. Um, I, I would say a better athlete than Whitehead is uh, powerful finisher this was the guy that kind of reminded me of Anthony Edwards, like the way he attacked the basket, like kind of compact, like a football build almost. Um, and he just like does a lot of like good stuff that wins you basketball games. I think he could draw a lot of fouls at the NBA level. Didn't look like he could shoot to me at all. Um, or it, it, it looked wonky to me, at least maybe the percentages are better than I realized, but uh, I didn't buy the form a whole lot. Where are you at on Cam Whitmore? I mean, I feel like Cam Whitmore, the, the place to start is that he's probably the greatest athlete to ever step foot on campus at Villanova. Mm-hmm. You know, Villanova's had a good, is, is obviously a, a storied, historic basketball program. They don't have, they, they don't usually have dudes who could jump right. like, like Cam Whitmore. I mean, Cam Whitmore is a top percentile two foot vertical leaper, one foot two, like he gets up off one foot. But I mean, some of the, some of the dunks he could pull off in transition are, are just nutty. He gets up for big posters. I, he gets up quick enough that I wonder if he could be utilized as a lob threat in the dunker spot. I, th- I think so. Like the way Agbaji got used at Kansas a little bit where like they ran ATOs to get him lobs. Yeah. Yeah. But even, even like, like he could probably, cause Agbaji, you know, did a lot of one foot leaping or, or the two foot leaps were kind of with movement. Like he could probably even just stand in the dunker spot and, and catch a lob, like just <laughs> off pure vert because he's that impressive vertical leaper. Um, the handle has really developed. Uh, which is not something you usually say, right? Like, I, I think he's really, he, he he doesn't apply like a ton of super flashy moves or anything, but it, it's really steady. He's He has good ball control. He plays with better pace than you expect from like this these uber elite athlete types. Um, I think just defining role is going to be a really interesting question for Whitmore. Um, I think he's a good passer. 
I'm with you with the sh- with, with the shot. It reminds me a lot of Eric Pascal, his like Pascal's jumper. And Pascal got to the point where in college he was a passable shooter. And and you know, in the NBA, he's not really, but kind of is like maybe. Uh, you know, if Cam Whitmore could just be kind of maybe a passable jump shooter, he's probably an NBA player. So there's definitely worth there. Um, and then his defense, he's another guy who is like just just and I don't know him personally, obviously, but just when watching him, you're like, oh, he just seems really competitive. Uh, at, the, at the FIBA stuff this summer, um, or, or well, not FIBA, the, the USA U19 stuff. Under 19 just, games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, just he was the best player there, I thought. Uh, at least the most impressive as to my priors. Um, you know, Keontae George, we'll talk about later, is someone who impressed a lot of people too. But Whitmore just had some major games, looks great as a driver. Um, he's another guy who could end up being a, a, a like a top five pick in this draft uh, because he's just that impressive of an athlete but i am interested i'm very interested to see how villanova uses him um and just what his role is because i think that's really going to be the key to defining where he goes is it's like okay is he closer to jonathan Kamingo, where it's like is he like best as like a small five roller or does he have enough handle stuff and, and passing stuff to be you know like like a wing initiator what like exactly what his role is is going to be a question, but I think he's good enough at enough stuff that he's almost certain to go top 10 unless Villanova just doesn't play him like they do with freshmen sometimes. Sure. But um, I feel like his, his stature is too high and he's too good for Villanova to do that. So I, I think he's just really good and he's really fun. He's going to have, I mean, like money is that him or Dylan Mitchell will have the best dunk of the year this year in college basketball. Uh, it's a pretty easy bet I'd make. So uh, yeah, just really fun wing prospect who, I just I wish was either maybe a little bigger or the shot looked a little better, but for what he is, he's still he's still really good. If he shoots it, he he's got like crazy upside, I think. And and right now he's still got plenty as is, but like is he maybe more of a four at the moment? Like a maybe a potentially undersized four. I'm not to your point, I'm not really sure how that uh, how they use him and how he projects out. I think will be interesting to see this year. But if folks want to go on YouTube, there's like a seven minute highlight reel of just like his dunks at like the under 19 games. Like it, it's insane of just him, like going up, like cocking it back and just like angry dunking at people and like, you know, trying to rip the rim off. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like this is uh this is next level. Yeah, no, he's, I, I mean, he'll, he, if he wants to, he'll win a dunk contest someday. Like it, he might not want to, like he might be stashed for too high type guy to even do it. But like, if he has the desire to, he's, I honestly think his leaping is very comparable to Aaron Gordon. Like if you're trying to get like an idea for, but, but probably even slightly better off a standstill, mm-hmm. like just like just standing under the rim with no run up or anything. Like, I feel like Whitmore could get a little higher than Gordon could, but that I, I but if you're trying to like a, a general comp or just like, what does this guy look like as an athlete? Like go back and watch Aaron Gordon tape at Arizona. Yeah. I mean, he was nuts. And that's who Aaron Gordon was for the longest time. That's kind of what Whitmore reminds me of. Uh, yeah. I like that comp a lot actually. Um, all right. This is, these people are six and eight on the projected lottery here, but let's just maybe talk about them at the same time in, in context. Uh, the Thompson twins, they played for overtime elite last year. They're going to play for them again this year. You've got Asor and Amon Thompson. They're both six foot seven. They're both like really, really athletic sort of rangy wings. Uh, one is a little more of a scorer. One is a little more of a passer. Uh, I, I honestly, I confuse myself which one is which. I think Amen is the one that's 
kind of more of the creator of the two. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, and and it's funny to me that on basically every board you'll find a sore higher. I think it's because mm-hmm. like he's just a he's like currently a marginally better shooter. And I think marginally I, because neither of yeah. them are particularly good shooters at the moment. No, right? not really. But I, I, I don't know. Like that seems to be consistently projected in, in a sword being higher, even though I think Amen is, is just straight up better in, in most aspects. It makes uh, more sense to me that the guy that can also play on ball, you know, and create for others at six foot seven would be the higher prospect. I, I had that same thought, which is why I thought maybe, I had them backwards. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I get where you're coming from there. Yeah, they're super fun. I mean, I I currently like I think Amen at eight is like way too low. Like I I might have him too right now uh, ahead yeah. of Scoot. I think he is one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, just all just like and so is also like that. The one thing they have definitely in common is that they're both just nutty athletes. Uh, two foot, one foot leaping. Uh, body contortion, burst, uh, bend, like, like they both have really good, you know, even if the first step doesn't get all the way by, they're good at then turning around and, and bending towards the rim, understanding of angles and stuff. Laterally, they're insane. Uh, the only one thing you could say that they're not the athletes at is strength. They're both kind of scrawny, but I, I, I like I think Ahmed's a point guard prospect, honestly. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then it's like, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me if a point guard's kind of skinny. Uh, so I just I, I think Ahmed specifically is just really good. He's one of the best passers in this draft, right up there at the end black for me. Um, some of the reads he makes are just really, really high level, especially in transition. Like he has a great understanding for high level transition passes. Like, you know, not even like, like just like one on two, like sort of obvious passes, but like four on three, he knows that he's faster than the defender who's going to beat it or who's going to be there. So he beats the defender, understands where the tag is, skip to the corner, like just super high level stuff. And, and I think the handle is really good. It's not elite, but when it combines with his athleticism, like he gets in and out of moves so quick that even if the moves themselves aren't great, like he's so fast to be into a cross and out of a cross and at the rim that it hardly matters. Um, so this is, this is a weird comp, but this is the guy that kind of reminds me of, and, and this may sound kind of stupid, but it's like watching like high school Brandon Jennings a little bit, except a lot bigger. Like he's not that kind of ball handler, but he's good enough. And they're like both kind of skinny and they both make these crazy transition passes. And they both sometimes shoot these like hideous sort of like fade away step backs where you cringe and, but they get to the rim and they like finish creatively sometimes. Um, I, I don't have like a better real comp other than like him plus height. But for Wizards fans, he is the one projected eighth to the Wizards uh, on the board. So if it plays out that way, you know, almost a year from now, it sounds like we'd be getting a steal. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I, 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 if he falls that far, I feel like it's only because of the overtime elite context and mm-hmm. people still having like like we kind of saw last year. I thought both Jan Montero and um, uh, Don Barlow. Don Barlow. I was blanking on his name. Uh, I think both them were draftable prospects, mm-hmm. um, but I think they both went undrafted because there's so much uncertainty around yeah. the overtime elite and the competition they played. Uh, I think I think Amen is is he's a top five prospect almost no matter how things shake out for me. Uh, and if he falls, I think it's just because teams are still wary to invest that capital into um, a guy who, 
you know, played at a, at a level they don't fully understand. And then also, I mean, there are the shooting questions. Not a particularly good shooter. More comfortable off the dribble than with spot-ups, but it's really hitchy. The elbow's kind of out. They both have long arms, and I think I don't think that always affects shooters, but I think it kind of affects them because they have kind of flat arcs, mm-hmm. and they push it out so much that, yeah. like, a lot of their shots are back rim. Mm-hmm. They get a lot of back rim shots. It reminds me a lot of Muhammad Gay played here at WSU, like just a lot of back rim or or way short air balls. Um, but I, I think I think Ahmed is is just a really fascinating point guard bet. Then Asur is, is still good, um, but the passing is is like clearly like a strong step behind where mm-hmm. Ahmed's is. The the handle is not quite as good. He's more of a straight line driver or one move uh than they get to the rim type thing. He's not comfortable putting on like a dribbling clinic or anything. Um the shot is marginally better. Uh, it's more comfortable at the catch. I think that's where that, that uh, you know, he's kind of grew up more the off-ball one and Ahmed played more on-ball type thing. Like, I feel like uh, I, I feel like I'm comfortable projecting Oswald to be at least an okay spot-up shooter, but I don't know that he's ever, like, a hard closeout guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's still really good, especially defensively, though I think Ahmed is a stronger defender, too, to be honest. I mean, I think Ahmed's uh, stronger on-ball uh, and stronger rotationally, but also has some really nice rotations, good rim protector at six, five, yeah. um, and, and really great hands. They both have excellent hands to just get in passing lanes or, or just strip the ball for ball handlers straight up. I mean, uh, they, they each individually in separate games had Jan Montero really struggling to just like keep the, keep his dribble alive. And, and Jan Montero is a pretty good, pretty strong yeah, ball handler. Agreed. So, uh, I don't know. They're they're both really fun prospects. Strongly higher on Amen, little lower on Asur. Um, but I, I think they're both still like legitimate lottery bets in this class. And and Amen specifically, I I see real real like like he to me is one of those guys who could be the best player in this class long term. Like I think he's that good. Uh, and I think the development curve is strong enough that he could get there within the right context. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen them play, they did play in the TBT this summer against like other grown men, and I think acquitted themselves pretty well overall. Like they didn't look, you know, like crazy outmatched because they are kind of on the skinny side. So definitely really interesting. Uh, the guy sandwiched in between them on the tankathon board is Dylan Mitchell, small forward going to Texas. I think um, you're going to have to really clear this one up for me because I only watched like half a game, and maybe it was like his worst game, but I just really didn't get it it didn't look like he could do anything with his right hand and didn't look like he could shoot at all so i guess what is he and what what does he do that has him in the top 10 range well i think i think one thing that that we'll have to note um is that he's going to be higher on on consensus mock draft boards and all that type of stuff that he might be on personal boards because everyone who's ever talked to him says he is just the greatest guy ever I mean, yeah. it's similar to that Scotty Barnes or, um, you, you know, guys like that. I'm blanking on other names, but, or, or Dalen Terry is a great example last year where it's like, you get this guy in a room and you're just like, you're just so jazz and, 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 he, and you know. yeah, like those types of guys, um, just the life, like the life of the room and, and competitive in the right ways. And, um, you know, there's stuff like with Mitchell, he's a good athlete, uh, very strong, especially one foot leaping, like. Like if he attacks a closeout, uh, it's really impressive. Like he can get up for some major, major dunks in transition as well. Not like I don't love his like like I don't think he's like a lob catcher type. He's not like a roll man like that because it's not 
he's a good two feet foot leaper, but he's not someone who gets up super quick off two feet versus the one foot leaping. I mean, it's obviously really quick. Um, the shot is 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 kind of rough at times. Um, he has some moments as like a as like a ball handler in transition. Maybe it could extend to the half court. His passing is really not like like I like how he reads the game though. On defense, he's still kind of a step behind. Um, but there's some stuff to like there. He's just kind of a bet on athleticism plus someone who you think is is going to improve. I think this is probably too high for him. I think Bill Mitchell is, is solid. I think he's a, probably a first round prospect in most drafts. But I I, I think seven, especially ahead of Amen Thompson, just kind of kind of baffles me a little bit. But I, I see the idea. He actually does remind me quite a bit of former Texas Uber athlete Greg Brown. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about Kendall Brown if that was a reasonable comment. Maybe, maybe I I think Kendall is leagues better as a passer. Okay, and Kendall also like I, I think something that hurt. Me, I was very high on Kendall. I think he just chose the wrong college. Yeah, like he's not someone who should have played in a no middle scheme. Uh, I think Mitchell actually will probably look really good in a no middle scheme because we I mentioned that he's a little slow on defense. Well, no middle is really great at just kind of smoothing out your defensive reads, making it a little more simple. For, for players like him to, you know, you only have these two, three responsibilities rather than understanding, well, in this situation, you do this or in this situation, you do that. Um, I think, I think he can look really good in that. I think he'll make some real big defensive plays, some cool dunks. I don't expect him to really pop statistically. I think it's going to be a lot of, he's, he's, he's this high, like in, in preseason mock drafts, he's going to play, even if he's pretty inefficient and he looks bad, he's going to declare. And, and and like I said, he gets in that interview room. People are going to fall in love. So I'm not super high on Mitchell. I think this is a bit of a, a stretch to have him this high. But like I said, like like six, seven dudes who are just really good athletes and, and care are worth bets to me. Like I think wings are such a valuable commodity. I mean, as you Wizards fan know, because you don't have any. Uh, there's such a valuable commodity that it's that it's worth taking bets on some guys like this, even if you don't love their combined package of skills quite yet. Like I ended up with Kendall Brown as a lottery pick and took a lot of grief for that because I just thought like the Wizards especially need wings. And there's a very large percentage of our fan base that responds back to me. What do you mean? Wings are all we take. We've got Denny and Rui and Kyle Kuzma. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I mean like a real wing, like a three, a true three not a power forward who can moonlight as a three. Um, So to me, this draft is going to be like my favorite thing to pay attention to of all time, because it really does seem uh, like super wing heavy to me, I think. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, Moving away from the wings here for a minute. This is a player. I know you have some, uh, some takes on here. We've got Derek Lively, the second Uh, Derek Lively is a center going to Duke. He's a seven footer. Uh, he actually played with Jalen Duran in high school, I think, which or maybe AAU, but like that's kind of a crazy front court to me. Um, and by all accounts, he looked like the better of the two. He's bigger, probably more athletic, potentially. Um, so uh, I, I guess this is a guy that was for a while, maybe first, second, third ish in their high school class. Got him kind of projected here as the later end of the lottery. Where are you at with Derek Lively? I think he's just a very traditional big in a lot of ways. Um, he actually reminds me a lot of Mark Williams, if I'm being honest, a little more polished at the same age. And I think that's why, you know, Mark Williams, I think was at the thirties in his RSCI rankings and lively was obviously, like you said, I think he ended, I think he actually ended his high school career at one on that board. Uh, he, or at least I know he bumped up to one after Shaden Sharp reclassed. Um, so any, but anyways, uh, I just, I, 
he just doesn't excite me that much if i'm being honest like i think uh i I think he's a solid rim protector but we haven't really seen him play in space much um and i don't love his feel on on either end really he makes some nice like kind of rigid reads as a passer um but they but they're the right read and that has its value even if they're not super advantaged um and i think that it's just if he's a really really special like quick leaper i think that's something from what I've seen, he's a bit of a load leaper. He takes a bit of time to get up. Um, I just he just listen inside me. You know, I was super low on Mark Williams. I think he's better than Mark Williams and he's younger, which helps. But um, I just, you know, it's not like he is a ball handler or a real shooter. You know, maybe he'll hit the occasional spot up and, and people will convince themselves he can be a stretch five, but he's he's not right now. And and I don't think he's ever gonna be a real value add as a shooter. You know, he's if anything, at most, it'll be like a Dwayne Deadman shooter. If you if you value that, okay, that's 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 your thing. But uh, just not something exciting to me. I much prefer Kyle Filipowski, who I don't think we have. Yeah, there on we our, go. Well, we're going to talk about him. Okay. Don't you worry, he's coming. I, I prefer I prefer Flip as as uh, as the hip kids call him uh, to Lively um, quite a bit. But I'm interested to see how they play together because I I view Flip more as a five. And Lively is definitely a five. Uh, so we'll see how Shire does it. They have a really interesting, I have no idea how that lineup's going to come together this year with Proctor as well. So uh, fascinating year to watch for Duke. But yeah, Lively just doesn't do it for me. I don't want to be mean or anything. It's, he's not bad. It's just, you know, he's 7-1, not a great mover, long arms. Team, there's certain teams value that and certain teams don't. And I'm the type of evaluator who, unless you show something really, really high level, I tend to not fall in love with that. I, I was down on Dern over most folks last year too. Um, uh, he just he he to me is a more explosive player than Lively, despite Lively kind of being bigger and probably longer. I would imagine. Uh, but I, I'm with you. Like I, I kind of didn't really get it. I was listening to Gary Parish do some podcast where he talked about like, oh no, Lively has like real creation ability, and he can pass it at the high post, and he can actually shoot it. We just haven't gotten to see it yet. I'm like, well. If we haven't gotten to see it, how do we know he can do it? But reminds me a lot of when James Wiseman got Nikola Vucevic comps. It's right, like, right. Oh, yeah, no, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, this one was a little interesting to me. I, I think some of that will be hype related. I'm sure he'll be perfectly fine. I just personally would rather have like a hyper athletic wing at this part in the lottery and see if you could get somebody comparable a little later. Uh, th- he's projected nine at the moment, 11th on this same board, just. To, to skip ahead a little bit is Khalil Ware going to Oregon. He's another seven foot center. I actually like Ware more better from what I've seen. I don't really know how to articulate that, but is that a crazy take to you? No, I, I prefer Ware to lively comfortably. Um, Makes me I, feel better. I uh, like not particularly close, but my, my big worry with Ware is motor questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, again, I don't know the kid. I don't know how much of that is, is, you know, personality things or how much of that is just he got bored playing against high school comp. But I mean, like really like, like he is the mover. I wish lively was yeah. laterally, right? Like he is a really impressive lateral mover. I hate the term switch big in some senses, but I also think like he's the type of guy who it's like, okay, I could see him doing that a little mm-hmm. bit. I think he's at least scheme versatile enough. I think he actually can shoot. Yeah, um, he, he played a little bit like bull bull in high school. 
he's, he's got some I, perimeter stuff there. Like, I don't know if you want him doing it, but it, it's like nice to know I, that maybe I think he, he can. I think he can actually shoot, unlike yeah. Lively. Like, I think yeah. he's someone who can actually stretch the floor and demand that you guard him out there and and maybe attack a closeout. I don't think he, he he's an all right passer at times. He's not good at like like shifting from I'm going to score to I'm going to pass. It's yeah. it's kind of one or the other. Sure. But if you know if he can attack closeout and throw a big dunk down or you know, uh, make a good pass in the short roll occasionally. Like that has its value. Cause he's also, I think a good enough athlete to be a really good, just roll man, just mm-hmm. get on top of the rim fast. And, and um, I think the defense has a lot of upside. Fascinating to see what Oregon does with him and in Folly Dante, both uh, out on that roster. I have no idea how that's going to go for them. Uh, I hope they don't play together, but I'm guessing they probably will play together. Uh, we will see how that goes. Uh, but I, I really like where I thought, uh, I, like I said, the motor does worry me. And I do, if it doesn't improve an organ, that is going to lower me on him because I think having bigs who play with a real energy is important, makes I, especially defensively. If he is going to be scheme versatile, like you can't just give up on a play or not close out, you know, like you have to be consistent and active or else that doesn't work. You know, if you're going to be low motor, you almost have to be a drop big. That's just kind of how that goes, in my opinion, at least. And um, I think he can drop fine. I, I don't think the rim protection instincts are great, but his tools are. So it's, sure. you know, like the development path is there. I really like where, I'm, like I said, fascinating to see how it goes for him. But I prefer him to Lively. And I prefer him to some of the other center bets in this class, too. Um, just I'm interested to see how that kind of plays out. Uh, but one of the many freshmen who I just like, I have circled. I'll get to see him live this year. So very excited for that. Assuming he's healthy. Um, so, yeah. I, I crammed so much for this to try to catch up. So I didn't look totally stupid today or sound totally stupid, but I, I'm now confusing some of these guys in my mind a little bit here too, but, but where are Nick Smith played together this year? Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, I, I mean, I, that's at least how I remember it. If somebody is super filled in there and wants to, uh, and it makes you feel better. I'm also like, like I where where was one of my first watches of this, sure. like of my of my summer cycle. So I'm a little like, like I've kind of gotten into the the slightly deeper prospects recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm some of this stuff like, like I try to keep this. I have detailed notes, but if I if I mix something up or say a name wrong or something, let me know. No, no, I I I'm like 94 percent sure that that was the case that they played together because I watched two games while watching. Nick Smith and the first time I didn't even notice where and he was guarded by like a six foot six guy the whole time and just didn't seem to take advantage and then when he had a probably bigger better prospect on him the next game he, he popped a lot more and he was like playing like a big and he caught like he was catching like really tough passes and finishing like tough finishes and it's like okay if you've got body control as a seven footer and you can actually catch the ball like that's just like a big head start from a lot of these guys that, that are kind of talked about in this range anyway. So I liked where, um, you know, again, it, it'll be interesting to see what their kind of context is and stuff like this too. Dana Altman's a really good coach. So be curious to see how he, um, you know, lets him play and, and utilizes that skill set too. But the other guy we mentioned there, another big in this class. By the way, you were right. They both played at North Little Rock this year. Okay. I, I thought so, but again, like, at a certain point, like I have not uh, gone deep enough here to to really like parse these guys out completely from each other. So glad that I got that one right. That's the one thing I'll probably nail today. Um, 
The other one that you and I both just mentioned being higher on than uh, Lively is Kyle Filipowski. He's also going to Duke. I saw somebody and I, it was somebody we both follow and I can't remember who it is on draft Twitter that was talking about like, uh, could Filipowski be uh, this year's Franz Wagner as like a full-time, you know, really skilled small forward. And, and I don't see that with him at all. To me, he's like a five, four, you know, maybe he could play some four, but he's like super skilled. He like finishes creatively. He can shoot it. He can pass it. I, I don't know what kind of defender he'll be or how this game like fully translates to the NBA level, but the skill level just seems like really high to me. And every time I've watched him play, I've walked away being like super impressed. So w- what is Filipowski at the next level? Am I crazy to think that he's not ever going to be like a full-time wing or perimeter player at 6'10 or 11? No, I actually think there's some upside there. I think what stands out to me about Filipowski is that you know, we oftentimes, and, and as a scouting community, we've gotten better about this, but we think we sometimes still fall into this trap of thinking of athleticism very narrowly. And, and you know, Filipowski's a white guy, 6'11. Does he, he jump high? Right. He doesn't jump very high, right? Like that's, but he's like actually like a really solid lateral mover. Yeah, and it shows up too. mostly on offense currently. But like, I mean, he hits spin moves or like, behind the back moves like body so control is like really down. good for a big dude like yeah that. i mean he it it's it's really impressive stuff like he it, it reminds me this is gonna sound like a really weird comp and i'm only thinking of this because there's a bobblehead of him in my room but I, it kind of reminds me a little bit of nick collison i like it uh, nick collison was kind of smooth kind of sneaky good lateral mover nick collison was more of a post player and i think flip is kind of the modern version of that where I mean, I think he can probably shoot, but also like, I think he could run, you know, you run a pick and roll with him and he pops mm-hmm. and then he has an ISO on a big, I think he could take advantage of that or he can attack close out. Like it's not super high level handle stuff, but it's smooth enough. And he, again, like he's a really good finisher despite not being able to just put it on dudes heads all the time. Um, I think his passing is really good. He is of all the bigs we've talked about, definitely the best at switching modes from I'm going to score to actually there's a pass here, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes me really confident that he could be a high level short roll passer um, or again, attacking closeouts or however you want to look at it. Um, I don't think the handle is tight enough for him to run pick and roll like Franz Wagner could. And, yeah. and Franz was a little smaller. I mean, he flip is probably three inches taller. Than I Franz. think so too. Yeah. Well, I, Franz has grown, so maybe not, but anyways, uh, could, could he be a really skilled four though? I yeah. Definitely oh, think yeah, that. yeah. I think that's super possible. I, I, and I, I think that's, you know, it's sort of like, like I think in a past life, and I still sometimes get myself in this thinking, if you were 6'11 and, and not a great athlete, you were a five because small ball was the rage, right? So sure. you could shoot, you could dribble, you were you were a five, but it's come back into vogue to just play big and, and play your skilled forwards as fours. You know, we think of Cat now or, or Paolo. Like, I feel like five years ago, Paolo would have been talked about as a five, five, yeah, but he was talked about almost purely as a forward this year. Mm-hmm. And, and there's some people saying he should play the three for Orlando at times. And it's like, that's just kind of the new modern vintage. So, you know, as much as I'm like, Oh, I wish he wasn't playing with lively. Same way. There was a part of me that was like, I wish Paolo wasn't playing next to Mark Williams last year. There's also some benefit to that. And I mm-hmm. think that flip is skilled enough. I, I honestly think there's a chance he's the best freshman on Duke this year. I, I um, would I would bet money on that personally thus far, but it, like, at least in terms of of being a real 
offensive, mm. like high level offense, but like Tariq could go the highest just because he's like a baseline wing athlete who makes good defensive rotations and can shoot. But I think Flip is the one who it's like could really pop with with his handle and and his 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 passing flashes and that type of stuff. He's the one of that group who I could see being a real not offensive engine at the NBA level, but at the college level, really. Yeah, if, if it was seventeen a game last next year, I, like it wouldn't surprise me at all. While also being the best passer on that team, like it's like because like Proctor's yeah. not a point guard, right? Tyrese Proctor's not a point guard. Jeremy Roach is okay, but he's not like a great passer by any means. But Flip is the one guy who I could see like, okay, we're gonna put him in a lot of actions. Mm. I think there's a world where you could run him off like pin downs and 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 flare screens and stud stuff to get him attacking a tilted floor and let him make plays out of that, like. I hope Shire gets creative, you know, coach K, you know, however you feel about him, not a particularly creative coach by the final days of his career. I would love to see Shire be a little more creative with his schemes and get flipped in some really different, different lineup lineups or, or, or configurations just because there's so much upside there. And, and he's another guy like with Ant black who I could see really pushing towards, you know, maybe first college player drafted or one of the best players in college basketball this year. Like, He's really good, and he gets kind of underrated, I think, because he was thrown in as, oh, he's a five, and he's not super athletic. But when you look past that, you begin to see more of, of the real upside there. So I'm a big fan of Flip. I think uh, if you want if you want to read more about him, PD did a PD Web out above the break read, did a great breakdown on him and someone else we'll probably talk about a little later just for a snippet, uh, talking about kind of their upside and, and what being a funky mover like that as a ball handler can really bring to an offense. And this is the guy who's 19th on this tankathon board, and I think very easily could be around the lottery by, by the time you know the season's over. Uh, and and I promise this isn't just a white guy making a comp about a white guy to another white guy. But did you ever see like European play Nemanja Bielica where he was like a point forward sometimes, like or like Dario Saric? Like, yeah, there's like some of that there where like if somebody just like threw him the ball on the wing and was like create something. It, you know, I think Filipowski can actually do that. Um, I don't know what they'll do with him, kind of as you were mentioning. Putting him next to Lively is kind of weird. They've got some other, um, maybe less perimeter-oriented guys. So I'm curious if they'll like push him away from the basket just to get some spacing there because I do think he can shoot it. So it's going to be a really interesting watch. I think Duke will be really good because I, I think they're always really good because they're Duke. But also, you know, there's three pretty good college players here right off the bat. Um, the next one on the list here, just kind of going back into the lottery order here, uh, number 10 is Baylor's Keontae George. I think the ESPN early mock draft had him going eighth to the Wizards. So it's a name Wizards fans might have already looked at a little bit. Kind of 6'4", powerful athlete from from what I could tell. Um, you know, maybe Beal isn't like the worst comp ever, you know, like kind of that slightly undersized two guard, but has a little bit of a handle. Um you know, can, can dunk on somebody if they need to, but uh, could score on the wing. What, what do you think of George's game and uh, where are you at with him? George is, is, is someone I struggle to get a read on because he's just not an archetype. I usually fall in love with, I think, mm. I think he sort of fits almost that three and D point guard mold of guys like Deuce McBride or, or okay. to a different type of extent, like a Davion Mitchell. Okay. I think like part of what's really good is that he's like a really good defender, especially on ball. He has good hands. He's, I mean, he is strong. Yeah, he is he's 
big, big, big build, kind of the football build again. He, he's like, I mean, kind of like Jaden Springer, but honestly, maybe even more like toned and built. Like he's just like a, he's a big boy. Um, and, you know, he's someone who's, I, I've heard already like Damian Lillard comps. And I'm like, I, I just no. don't see that. Right. Like he's, I just meant Beal from the size deal. perspective. He, yeah. He, I, he doesn't have the scoring that Beal does, but like, he's he's probably six three six four yeah no he's he's a big he's a big guard like i said strong i think he can really shoot like the pull-up looks all right but especially off the catch off some movement like i think he's a high high level shooter probably projects as someone who at his peak you know things really hit like 40 percent shooter on good volume tough shots type thing i just i don't want the handle and i don't want the passing and at six four like that is just something i that worries me i don't Mm -hmm. think he gets to the rim particularly well in like a stagnant floor you know if he's attacking a closeout hard like you said you can dunk on some people but i don't think the burst is great and i just don't think he's like a great like he doesn't create a ton of separation or it's not super tight in the pick and roll he can be forced to pick up he's not like like he's really sound but in a class like this that's so full of wings i do struggle to get myself really excited for you know a point guard who's who who, you, you know you'll hear this all the time like oh he'd be great next to a jumbo initiator well, yeah, you know who also be great next to a general initiator, someone who could do these things, but also be three like, inches tall. Yeah, like like or or you know run the point at times. Like like Spencer Dinwiddie's also great next to a general jumbo initiator, but he can also like like run an offense if he needs to at times. Like that's the type of thing where it's like I think our whole fan base would argue <laughs> uh, with you. I probably I guess I probably should have watched. I I forget I forget the Spencer Dinwiddie hate in Washington. Should have okay. watched my words there. But. The, the the Dallas playoff version of Dinwiddie, at least yes, for those yeah. three or four games. Yeah. Yeah, or or old Brooklyn Nets, basically yeah. everything but this time <laughs> in Washington, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, but like, I, I don't know, maybe and maybe George proves me wrong a little bit. It's we're we're not really going to see it at Baylor. Like Baylor still has Adam Flagler, but they still have LJ Cryer. LJ Cryer still there. Yeah. Um, you know, Akinjo's gone, thank God. But uh, you know, they're still going to run their their a lot of movement stuff, and I don't think we're going to really see him like run super high usage point guard stuff. It's going to be more. He'll pop because of his off-ball defense, and and Baylor's going to be really good again. Like I think Baylor's really reloaded in a way that they can compete for for the national championship again if, if things click for them under Scott Drew. But I just he's just someone who doesn't get me super excited with some of the other talent that we'll talk about. I, I think almost every other name we've talked about thus far, I I like better than what I've seen of George, but I also just haven't watched a ton there either. So. That's interesting. Um, another name I, I again haven't watched a ton of. I, again, like me, be less than some of these other guys. But Kason uh, Wallace going to Kentucky. I watched him play a game against Nick Smith, and Smith looked like the better prospect to me. And I watched a little bit of Kentucky's um, sort of Bahamas tour, and that was just like really hard for me to contextualize. Like I, I don't know enough of the guys he was playing against to really tell how meaningful that is to me, but. This is a guy that probably largely projects as a point guard, I think is probably what people see him as um, in the NBA, but the, the handle like didn't look very sound, like sound to me. He seemed to like lose the ball anytime he had to go left. So um, where are you at with Wallace? Like what's his deal? I, admittedly, I was lower on uh, Ty Ty Washington last year than um, most folks, so maybe I just secretly hate Kentucky guards. I, I, I don't know, but uh, am I undervaluing Wallace? I guess I think the thing with Wallace is that he's just an awesome defender, okay. and everything else branches from that. Like he's he's six four, but I think he could 
kind of do the Marcus Smart, like legitimately guard one through four. Okay. Like because he's so strong, mm-hmm. he's so technically sound. The effort is real, like like real, real high motor. Um just like like he can do it all on defense. I think he can guard on ball. He's he might not be like a stopper stopper, but I think he can be good enough on ball while also being great rotationally uh, and making some plays as well with with uh jumping passing lanes or uh, just understanding where the offense is and what they want to do. Like, I think he's that level of defender. Um, and offensively, it's kind of a bit more of a work in progress. I hate the, the Kentucky context for him because uh, no one aside from him can shoot. So he's going to be asked to take, just like Ty Ty was, take yeah. a billion spot ups just so someone has to be guarded out there. You know, he's like the projected starting lineup, I think is, is Shibway, Toppin, Severe Wheeler, him, and uh, Damian Collins. Only one of those players could shoot, and it's Kassan Wallace. Although in their first three games in the Bahamas, I think they shot like 75% from three as a team or something like stupid, and they were they came crashing back down to earth at the fourth game. But uh, I'm yeah. with you. Like they, There's not much there to, to spread the floor. Yeah, I really wish they, they wouldn't start severe, severe reload, but th- that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. I do think Hassan can shoot, and I think he could be like a really efficient shooter. Not super versatile, but he'll hit some pull-ups and and uh can definitely hit spot ups when he drives right he's a good finisher you're i'm with you with the left hand doesn't look particularly good i don't think he's a great passer he's kind of like a three and d2 but the d might just be so good that's enough to kind of Mm -hmm. bump him into this range and despite him being you know he's probably about the size of like keontae george like i think he is a much more versatile defender than george because he just makes so many good reads uh just just an overall excellent defender but I wouldn't call him a point guard. He's he's a wing. He's just kind of an undersized okay. wing. Gotcha. Um, but I, I like Wallace for what he is. I don't know how he's going to look at all this year. He's honestly like a sneaky, like he could be there two years because can, I, I could honestly see Kentucky being a giant fucking mess this year and and just uh, completely bottoming out. And, and he has to say it's two years and, and then he really pops next year in a weaker draft and goes top 10, much like we saw with Marcus Hardy of Oklahoma State. So I think that is like kind of a salient comp as much as I hate comping players to Marcus Smart because there's no Marcus Smart, just like there's no Draymond Green. But Wallace is legitimately one of the best wing defensive prospects I've seen in a long time. And he, he really impresses me. And I think there's some upside there. Just has to figure out exactly what he is offensively. That's like kind of the Emmanuel quick, quickly blueprint there too, right? Like had to stick around a little longer, could shoot it, could defend, but not sort of like a point guard's point guard. So um, that makes sense that you would say that. Here's another guy. Talk about professional segues here uh, of people who had to come back for two years. Terquavion Smith. I'll be very upfront. I kind of didn't get this one personally. I know he became like a darling in the draft process last year. And he went from a guy that was like maybe not a first rounder to like clearly a first rounder on a lot of boards and then decided to come back to school. So we all assume he'll get so much better that he now has to be a lottery pick. Uh, to me, I, I just I try really hard to stay away from six three shooting guards, six four shooting guards, and um, that are just sort of like scores that don't do a ton else, which is what I view him as. So, um, to me, this seems really high. I take him at twenty two or something or wherever we thought he would be last year. Now that this is a better draft, I think um, I wouldn't move him up a crazy amount. But am, am I too hard on Smith? Where where are you at with him? I'm probably even would be harder than you. Okay. I, I thought he was like an okay second round bet last year, maybe towards the top of my second round, but mm-hmm. I, he was no one I was particularly excited about. Um, 
I think we always do this where it's like the highest profile returner is just the person we expect to jump into the lottery. Sure. And I feel like that honestly rarely happens. Yeah. Like, is it like Jaden Ivy is not the yeah. norm, you know? Yeah. And, and Jaden Ivy should have been a one and done. Like it's sure. absurd. It's absurd that like, like he was a top five pick no matter what draft he went. And I still, again, story for another day, but I just, it feels like usually the, the, the returner who jumps in the lottery is someone who's more projecting like the twenties because it's hard to project returners. You know, I think Arthur Kaluma makes a lot more sense to bet here because the FIBA bump and, and that's a mm-hmm. real thing. And I just, like, I just don't, I, I, don't, I don't particularly like Turk that much. He's super skinny. Um, I think the shooting is good, but he also only shot 65% from the line. I don't think yeah. the touch is particularly good. Like he just, I think there's a world where last year's shooting was an anomaly and that's the best Turk will ever look. I think the passing is okay. He's an all right driver, but he can't finish. He's a horrible finisher. I just, I, I, I don't get why. And it's not just like Tankathon is obviously like a mock draft, so it's a little different. But even on big boards, like Turk was thirty last year, but now he's going to be fifteen. It's like, well, what, what do you project improving yeah, so much that you're going to? Did he put on twenty pounds of muscle? Is the shooting going to be knocked down? Can he be a point guard now? Like, yeah, what, what just, is it? Like for me, it just uh, like Turk is. I value him the same as I did last year, unless there's some major new element added to his game, which I just don't see. NC State's going to be a mess again. It's a horrible roster, not a great coach. I mean, I just, I don't know. I've never been particularly high on Turk, and and I think 12 in this draft specifically, especially in, I mean, you and I have already talked about uh, like four times in this podcast, like how important it is to have wings. This is a draft that has so many wings. Yeah. I, I'd be I'd be frankly furious if my team took a 6 to 160 pound guard over some of the guys who are projected to go after him in, in this monitor. Yeah, I mean, what's the line about like even bad teams have to have a leading scorer? Like that's sort of how I viewed Turquavion Smith last year. He just yeah, he scored 19 points a game as a freshman. That's cool, but they weren't very good. They, how meaningful were those points? I actually like Darion Sebron better on their team last year than, than I did Turquavion Smith. So uh, that's the 14th pick. That's sort of the end of the lottery here on Tankathon. Uh, the next couple names down the list, Grady Dick, small forward going to Kansas, uh, Jarris Walker. Am I saying that yeah, right? Uh, Jer- Jarris or Jarace. I, don't, I honestly don't know. Power forward, 6'8 guy going to Houston. I- I'm actually really excited to see Houston live. I just bought tickets to the Veterans Classic at Navy. They're going to play St. Joe's. He's a guy I'm like curious to watch in person because I think it'll kind of form how I think about him more than some other guys. Amari Bailey, shooting guard, UCLA. Arthur Kaluma, who we talked about, power forward, small forward, power forward uh, at Creighton. Sophomore, it could be the real top returner. Creighton's going to be like really good this year. Ryan Nemhart might also be one of the top returners if he's fully healthy. So Baylor Shireman is probably, I think Baylor Shireman would be a first round pick. I, th- I honestly I, think that. So. Yeah, agreed. I mean, that's a team that if they were a top 10 team for most of the year, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Filipowski is 19th on this board, on this mock. Um, Leonard Miller of the G League Ignite, who went through the pre-draft process last year, uh, is 20th. Matthew Cleveland, another sophomore coming back, shooting guard for Florida State. Uh, as a guy I really like, and I, I would bet on to take a bigger jump than somebody like Turquavion Smith. And then 22, uh, they've got Jordan Walsh, who we already talked about going to Arkansas. 
Um, any of those couple guys, you know, rounding out this top 20 ish range that, that you like from that list that we should spend a couple more minutes on here or, or names that you want to talk about at this point that we haven't got to. I think, uh, Grady Dick is a, is a real potential riser from this list. I think he's, <laughs> he's another dude who I think falls slightly victim to, um, uh, white dude who's not a super athlete. So he kind of like, I've heard some people say, oh, he's like a good shooter and i'm like that's just like not who grady dick is he's like a like a real ball handling scoring yeah. he reminds me a lot i hate to do white to white comparisons but sometimes it's all like come to your head like like a lot of kind of like gordon hayward almost mm-hmm. store um uh maybe even like a like harrison barnes is different because he was a super athlete maybe what harrison barnes is now but like a better shooter like it's just it, like he's just really good like he, he is a good shooter uh, but he's not just a shooter i like the handle and then just his his general reads. I think he is a good athlete. He's not an uber athlete, but you know he he can get up for some dunks and specifically laterally. Like he's a he's a real three, and he's probably six eight. Like he's a real three, and 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 that has its value to be able to play that on both ends. Um, I think he's another player who, uh, you know, up there with Ant Black and and, and Phil Powski is someone who could break their way into the top five by just having a really good season on a on a Kansas team that I expect to be really good despite losing a couple good players because Bill Self is that good. And, and you know, Grady Dick, it, I can't even remember the last time Kansas had a one and done, like a true one and done, because Devon Dotson was there two years. Definitely uh, pre-Adidas uh, um, trouble, yeah. for sure. Well, because well, usually their whole thing, I mean, Andrew Wiggins and, and Joel Embiid, I suppose, are the that's, last That's really the last high-profile ones, for sure. Like, it's, it's just, like, Bill Self's bag is that he's great at, finding guys who are going to give him four years of value. And I think when they first started recruiting Dick, that's what they thought he was going to be. Oh, like he's going to develop into a three and D wing, but then it's sort of like, well, actually the handle and passing is there. Uh, it, it kind of, um, I'm blanking on, there was an old uh, Kansas forward who I, who I actually really liked. He was a great post player passer. He was only like six, seven. Alex um, Galindo. Just no, not the, uh, oh man, I'm blanking, but. Uh, he kind of has like that skill set along with like high level shooting, being a good defender. Like there's just a lot to like with Dick. And then moving on to Jarese Walker, and I'm also going to throw in someone I'm really high on, also on that Houston team, Terrence Arsenault, mm-hmm. Arsenault, something like that. Spell at the end of it is E A U X. So however you would say that, but uh, those two are both like two of my favorite guys in this class. Walker was someone I was almost out on because he was kind of like. He, he won a lot because he's a big bruiser who's, who's a good athlete. Um, but the handle and passing development is just really rare. Like, you just don't see six, nine guys who are the athlete. And, and like, you know, it, it's like if Michael Foster suddenly became like an excellent ball handler and passer prospect as a forward. Um, he has to kind of figure out exactly what he is defensively. But, man, that development curve just really pops. There's so much to like there. Houston is the perfect place for him to develop. I mean, think of the spacing they're going to have, the passing. Uh, I think Walker can shoot. I think he can make some plays. He can score in the post. I'm, I'm, I'm not confident in exactly what his role is going to look like. I honestly think he might be best as a five, uh, kind of in the in the Xavier Tillman role, um, but more athletic. Uh, but hand, good handler like Tillman who can who can pass. Similar, he's probably a slightly better shooter than Tillman, but not incredibly so and, and then you know they're not great as like a rim protector but can can switch a little bit and then arsenal is is someone i just really love because he's just a, he just wreaks havoc on defense he's just all over the place he gets steals he gets blocks the rim 
Um, he, I, I think he could shoot. Uh, you know, it's kind of TBD, but uh, just a perfect, I mean, hand-in-glove fit in Houston. I think Houston is another team who's going to be one of the best in the nation with Sasser and Jamal Shedd returning. Yeah, it's, a, well top, it's a top 10 rushing. team at a minimum, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I think them, Creighton, and Arkansas are, are the three best three best teams I would project going into the year. Obviously, things change, but uh, with the mix of talent and coaching, I mean, I think that's the three best three of the best coaches as well. So it's just like, there's just a lot of, uh, of, of fun to be had this college season, but Arsenal and Walker, I mean, I, for me, much like Arkansas, Houston is going to be appointment viewing. My podcast co-host goes to the university of Houston, uh, Cooper Klein. Shout uh, out Coop. Yeah. Shout out Coop. Uh, he will be talking nonstop about these two as well as Marcus Sasser. So uh, that's really fun. And then just, one last thing I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, we could go on forever if we wanted to. Leonard Miller's fun. You mentioned him. He's at like 22. I'd be higher on him than that. I had him top 10 before he withdrew last year. I think he's just a really good ball handler at 6'11", and that has some benefits. You had him top 10 last year before he withdrew. All yeah. right. I yeah. like it. That no, is a bold take. Or maybe he was like, he might have been like 11, actually. Okay. But but okay. in my top 10 tier type sure. thing. Uh, the last thing I want to bring up, and I'm going to butcher this last thing, Mike Shravachums. Uh, he goes by Mongolian Mike. He's going I have to no idea who that is. He's going to Dayton this year. Okay. Um, and Dayton is an excellent place for players like him to develop. Mm. Dayton also has excellent spacing. He is a 6'8 point forward. Like he will probably just straight up play point guard for them either this year or next year. He's someone who I could see kind of doing the Jalen Williams where he barely, barely plays his freshman year or Williams. It was his sophomore year mm. and then really blows up and plays the point guard for them the next year. But uh Mike is just, he's a really smooth ball handler. And I like, he'd be a top five passer for me preseason projecting in this class. Um, you know, figuring out exactly how he's going to score is a question. He's not an elite athlete. It's kind of Josh Giddy esque in that way. But uh, I think he's good enough to kind of figure things out. And the passing is just so, so special to me with his size. Cause he is a legit six, eight. Like he is bigger than Ant Black or, um, um, not bigger than Filipowski, but he's he's bigger than Ant Black specifically, and, and he can handle the ball in a similar way. So that's a guy who I, who I think is a real sleeper, um, who uh, I expect to blow up either this year or next year. Give, uh, give me that name one more time, Mongolian Mike. That's Mongolian Mike. Uh, is he from Mongolia? I, I believe so, yeah. Okay. He's um, He is Chinese. Uh, yeah, it's Mike. I believe it's Shrav Jumps. I believe is how it's said. It's, it's spelled S- uh, S H A R A V J A M T S. Okay. Sure. Like jumps maybe. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but yeah, that's kind of, and maybe one last name, uh, Bob Miller from Florida state, uh, looks like every bit of seven foot. Mm-hmm. He looks like a more filled out, uh, John Butler. And he's just funky, 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 like just so much upside there. He's raw. He needs a lot of work, but real shift as a ball handler, interesting kind of bearing of stride length stuff good athlete can probably shoot like and afford to say again just a team where i trust them to develop guys like this that's what they do it might take two years but leonard miller gets these dudes to be awesome defensive prospects leonard hamilton other other leonard no we're still on leonard millard our lottery pick i like it yeah yeah uh but yeah that's that I, I could go I could go all day, but I think that's a good picture of kind of this draft. And, and its strength is specifically that there are a ton of wing forwards. The NBA is sort of reaching, I feel like, this point where there's kind of a dearth of like depth wing forwards right now. Yeah. There's a lot of teams who are playing 
six four dudes at the three. And I this is the type of class where I could see I could see 35 guys having real NBA careers because they're just six seven and do things and and that has some value. So um there's a lot to like here. There's some more point guard bets than last year. It's gonna get talked about by some as like the best draft ever and stuff like that. Not quite there. I, I see where people are coming from with that. Do have my worries about the top, and I do have my worries about kind of the the deeper parts of the depth. But in terms of just wings, 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 and then a couple fun point guards after last year's class having no good point guards, really, I think it's really interesting. And I think uh, you know this would be a good year to tank if you were the Wizards, but I, I don't necessarily see that coming. I'm banging my fist on the table like Ted Leonsis would at that notion. We will never tank. Uh, on purpose, at the very least. <laughs> on purpose, yeah. Yeah, Bradley Beal gets hurt, and Przingis is hurt, and then, oh, we've lucked into the number one overall thing. What a I shame. Mean, that's why I wanted to talk about this, and I, I mentioned this before you jumped on here, Bryce, in, in the intro, that, you know, Vegas has the Wizards at 34 and a half wins, and there's something, you know, that they probably know there that, that we're not factoring in because they, they don't miss on these things very much, and and 34 wins puts you somewhere in the lottery. So I think that's why we wanted to do this, introduce people to the names. It's not a, hey, I'm I'm hoping the Wizards suck or any of that kind of stuff before um, the non-tank crowd gets mad at me. But to your point, if you were going to be bad, this is a time to do it. And honestly, even if you're good, I think you're going to get somebody at 20 in this draft that's better than who you got at 10 last year, personally. Um, not trying to throw shade at Johnny Davis. I just think that's how much um, better that part of the draft is this year. I actually like last year's draft maybe more than I thought I would, but I, I just I just buy this for the same reason you just talked about wings, wings, wings. My platform, if I were going to you know campaign to be the next Wizards GM, would just be like I would never draft anything other than a wing in the <laughs> top twenty picks. It just that's my own personal. Figure the rest strategy. out. Yeah, just all. I mean, I mean, we're to a point where. The best point guards in the league are, are wing sized or right. were soon to be at that point, at least, you know, Curry's still holding out. But I mean, a lot of the top players at the at, at, at these varied positions all happen to be, you know, six five to six nine, you know, and, and and have some latent ball skills and and move funky. Like basketball I, I is is too often narrowed to, oh, it's you run a pick and roll with spacing. It's like, no, like modern basketball succeeds when funky players do what they do best and, and you get coaches and a team built around guys to maximize that. I think even, even this Warriors team, you know, it's not full of wings, but you know, Draymond is so vital to that team's success where he only succeeds by being allowed to do what he does best. If you were to try and stick him in a three and D role, it'd look a lot different than when you let him run the floor and, and, and play point guard and, and have other things move around him. Like there's, there's value to just getting good players with this type of size who have these funky skill sets and being like, we will figure out how to maximize you rather than only drafting players who are the most scalable. Even the boring three and D guys though, that, that we've talked about here that are slightly more one dimensional, the, the teams that were good this year, the final four teams that were left in the NBA playoffs had five or six of these guys. And, and to my earlier point, the wizards don't really have anybody. Once you give up, Contavious Caldwell Pope, he, he is sort of your most um, closest to prototypical three and D guy, even though I think he was still, you know, a little undersized realistically. So to me, that this is a draft where I'm, I'm doing a lot of scouting if I'm the Wizards. If they do fall outside the lottery, they are um, turning over their pick to the New York Knicks. 
So I would figure something out if I'm them. Some trade I make during the year to consolidate some of these guys would be to try to net something back in the first round. Because I think this is the draft you can't afford to be left out of. So um, whatever you're doing, Tommy Shepard, I implore you to get us in this draft somehow. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been great. I, I think that's, I, like I said, I could go all day and we will, uh, I'm sure we will, I will be back on at some point to talk even more in depth about more guys, especially as the wizard season begins to shape up. Uh, but this is, this is, this is so fun. This is, I, I feel good to be kind of back in the podcast group. I took a couple of weeks off, so it feels yeah. nice to be back at it. Well-deserved. Um, you were, you naturally jumped back into it here. Bryce, uh, for anybody who isn't already following you, where can they follow you and the podcast and all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Upside Swings as well. That's a it's a draft podcast. We're coming back. We're going to do a lot of. We're trying to go to a week here shortly, but uh, until that point, we're kind of in a bit in like a slight hiatus. Um, but you can also, uh, if you're if you're interested or inclined to, I do work on Patreon. It's all free to read. So you don't have to subscribe to read it, but I, I put out a couple recent pieces, uh, one on like a high school scouting one, one on kind of examining the handle with depth and trying to give a little bit more um, uh, facets to, to what players are and aren't good at as ball handlers, rather than just saying they're a good or bad ball handler. So if you're interested in reading that stuff, uh, go ahead. It's like I said, it's all free, but yeah, this has been great. Uh, I can't wait to be back on. Uh, can't wait to have you back as always. Was believe in wizards, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. If there are prospects that you're familiar with that you want to hear more about, uh, like Bryce just said, we'll definitely try to have him on, uh, you know, later in the season here to talk more about them. So please let us know. Please give him a follow, and we will catch you all next time. And as always, we are presented by BetOnline.ag. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube